this time on episode 391 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk What If Zombies from the Disney Plus Marvel series What If, season 1, episode 5. We talk weekly Marvel news, including Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings box office results, how the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit affected the Russo brothers, and where you can see a former Runaways actor next. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast zombie land-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gang, happy National Ampersand Day. Woohoo! You'll be making all kinds of lists today. Did <laughs> you know that the ampersand was the 27th letter of the alphabet? I did. I did not. I recently learned this by listening to the Curiosity Daily podcast a couple of months ago. I was like, no, no way. But yep, it was the 27th letter of the alphabet. And I can't remember when it left, but I want to say it was like the late 1800s or the early 1900s. Yep. In the uh, show notes there, it mentions that it's a um, kind of smooshing together of E and T, as in the Latin et, meaning and. So happy National Ampersand Day and, and use that little and symbol, which also can mean a plus with mathematics. So there is science involved. And it's been a while since we talked about science here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we're big science fans. So Ampersand, math, we're with you. Well, in the meantime, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of the rules of surviving a zombie apocalypse. If you'd like to talk to us about your experience with the zombie apocalypse, you can leave a message on our website at legendsofshield.com. You can send us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can post a message on our Facebook page about your rules to the zombie apocalypse at Legends of Shield Podcast. You can tweet us zombie gifts at Legends of Shield on Twitter. You can leave us a comment on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gunnageek all about your safety points for the zombie apocalypse. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Guys, it's been a pretty active week. The elephant in the room that I'm going to have to address right now is that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was premiered last weekend. Not 
all of the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. hosts were able to go. So we're going to forego talking about it until it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Now that said, spoiler free, Lauren, what were your initial thoughts? It's so good. It's so good. It's just, it's so good. Like, y'all, it's funny and it's sad and it's cool and the soundtrack's amazing and Simu Liu is wonderful and I hope that he gets more work. And just, ah, everyone was so good. Tony Leung, who, yes, he's fantastic. Just everybody watch all the Wuxia movies all the time. So good. Now, Chris, what's the worst thing you heard about the movie? The worst thing I heard about it was Lauren saying it's so good repeatedly. And that's the worst thing we heard. I can't wait to see it myself. So we'll see that in the future. But in the meantime, we have an episode of What If to cover with zombies. What If? Zombies! Season 1, Episode 5 of the first season of What If? premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. The IMDb description reads, When the Avengers are infected by a zombie plague, surviving heroes search for a cure. Chris, who was the director of the episode? The director of this episode was Brian Andrews. He has three directing credits starting in 1999. A few episodes of Men in Black, the series the Jackie Chan Adventures, and five episodes of What If, obviously including this one. He's also a storyboard artist with 41 credits there, and a writer with nine total credits in that department of his life. In truth, I think we'll see his name pop up as a total of nine directing credits for What If, but since only five have aired so far, and Disney and slash Marvel are so terrible about updating IMDb until the episode airs, that uh, we don't know for sure, but we're pretty sure. Lauren, who wrote this episode? This episode was written by A.C. Bradley, who is also the creator and showrunner, who has five writing credits starting in 2005. We've talked about most of them before, most notably the Troll Hunters series on Netflix, and of course, all nine episodes of What If? And the story editor was Matthew Chauncey, who has two writer credits starting in 2018, including Three Below, Tales of Arcadia, and nine of What If? Including this episode. Yep, so Matthew actually gets the credit for writing this episode as well as the Star-Lord episode slash T'Challa episode. So the voiceover cast, we've been doing this every episode talking about the voiceover cast, which may or may not be the actors that you're familiar with within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or as we affectionately call it here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. the MCU. The first credit goes to Jeffrey Wright. He plays the Watcher. Jeffrey had a few additional lines, but nothing like the input that he gave last episode. I think he's taken a week off from really getting frustrated and just kind of going from there, although it probably would have frustrated me with this whole thing happening, as well as since the what if event occurred because of the quantum realm, which technically can branch not only time, but the multiverse. I think that this might see some future looks in either next season or maybe a season ending episode or something like that. So Jeffrey Wright, I think did a good job here. So the next one was Mark Ruffalo. He has been in movies like wind talkers, 13 going on 30 rumor has it date night. Now you see me and now you see me too. He played reprised his role as Bruce Banner. 
And I think this was the most acting that he's done in the voiceovers from what if so far. So Lauren, I'm going to go to you as the expert. How would you rate Mark's performance? Pretty good. Honestly, what most kept distracting me is that the animated model of him, half the time it would look a lot like Mark Ruffalo and the other half it didn't. This also bugged me about the Spider-Man one that we got. But yeah, solid. Very solid. Yeah, I can't argue with that one at all. I wasn't expecting him to be super wonderful. He was pretty solid. All right. Pretty solid. I enjoyed He was stereotypical Mark Ruffalo. Based on the time frame of when this happened, remember at the start of the Infinity War, he came down to Earth and he was trying to warn Doctor Strange and he got into the, the whole thing right away with Infinity War with Iron Man and Doctor Strange. And he was going through the struggle with his green guy at the same time. So you see that come out in this episode. I think he did a good job. And Chadwick Boseman, as I mentioned before in the Chichala episode or the Star-Lord episode, he was listed as a total of four episode credits for What If. I had no idea what the other three episodes were going to be. This was one of them. This was not the big one. The Star-Lord episode was his big one. He was in different series or different movies like Lincoln Heights, 42, Marshall, Get On Up. And he did pretty good here. Again, wasn't highlighted. This was more of an ensemble, we'll get into it later. This was more of an ensemble cast of people that really didn't have screen time together in the MCU. So Chadwick's spot, I think Mark Ruffalo really had a lot of acting up until like the final scenes and Chadwick Boseman, he was found in the latter scenes and just had a few lines getting to the end. A big character in this episode, even though he was only in a few scenes, was Paul Bettany. You might know him from such movies as A Knight's Tale, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, A Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, The Da Vinci Code, Legion, Margin Call, and Legend. He came up and reprised his role as Vision. Think you mean Legion. He's not uh, Tom Cruise in the 80s movie. Right. So I think Vision really doubled down here, or the writer double down here on vision in WandaVision, that version of vision. Now, I understand that this was at the start of Infinity War, but we really got to tug some of those WandaVision strings with vision in this one, I think. What do you think, Chris? I think you can definitely see where WandaVision was coming from, how it could have come out of this, but really just the fact of what he was willing to do because of what happened to Wanda here, I think says a whole lot about his character. Agreed. Yeah, that's pretty much it is, uh, oh, hey, it's kind of an inversion of WandaVision, except instead of like super awesome reality warping powers, we get this. Another voice actor that came on the stage for this particular episode was Sebastian Stan. He was in Hot Tub Time Machine, one of my favorite movies, The Martian, and as many state, could be the future Luke Skywalker. He also played a little character called Bucky Barnes, also the Winter Soldier. Eh, not sold on him as that character. Yeah, completely am. Now, Chris, what do you think of his voice acting in this one versus what we've seen before? Now, just to remind everybody here, the first Captain Carter episode, I thought that 
Sebastian Stan sounded like a mix between a wet blanket and a rock. He was just really bad. But somehow somebody went and pounded some lessons into his head because he actually does a pretty good job in this one. Yeah, he actually sounded really solid. Like, again, not great, but it was leaps and bounds better than the previous episode that he was in. I was wondering why that is, and I'm thinking it might be because this is like more straightforward action type lines instead of like having to do nuance. I did like his particular line that he really wasn't for or against the killing of Falcon in this one. Sam, he's like, I, I should be sorry, but I'm not, or I should be sad, but I'm not. So yeah, that was that was Bucky right there. Moving on, Evangeline Lilly. You might know her from such works as The Hurt Locker, the TV series Lost, Real Steel. I enjoy that movie. I know there's a big divide on that. And of course, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, and The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Evangeline Lilly reprised her role from the MCU as Hope Van Dyne. Guys, I gotta say, of any of the actors in this, I was really drawn to Evangeline Lilly. She really played her part. You kind of felt how rough it was for her because of what they were trying to do. She felt that she was personally responsible for the whole thing. And she was a team player, not having met a lot of these team members before. I enjoyed her performance. What did you think, Lauren? Also, very much agree. I meant to look up if she's done any other voice work in her career because she did a pretty good job here. I don't think she has. Yeah. Hmm. She did a pretty good job. If I'm remembering my research that it did, I don't think she has any. So, Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I've looked her up for previous things. I don't remember any kind of voice acting stuff in there. But listening to this one, I couldn't tell. I mean, it seems like she really caught the part of your acting with your voice, not just putting your voice into a character. Moving on, we had another first-timer to What If. His name is Paul Rudd. You might know him from such works as The Object of My Affection, Wet Hot American Summer. Believe it or not, in the latter seasons of Friends, he was on Friends, the TV series. He's in Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Night at the Museum, Knocked Up, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I Love You Man, Wanderlust, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, This is 40, and Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. How could you not include Clueless? He was so good in Clueless. Also, he appeared as Paris in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I didn't include them because I knew you would say them, Lauren. Obviously, you know who Paul Rudd is. Ugh, as if. But most importantly, he was in that Super Nintendo commercial, looking the exact same age as he looks today. This is true. He is uh, an immortal wizard. He is showing some sign of age, but yes, I would agree. He looks about the same. Come on, I look older than Paul Rudd. (laughs) And who did Paul Rudd play in this? Scott Lang, reprising his role with a few, you know, minor tweaks to the character. Just little. little We'll talk about that. So his first scene, and you're like, wow, they paid Paul Rudd to come in for this episode for like one line. Wow, that's steep. And then, of course, we got what happened later. So made a little bit more sense there. Another newcomer to acting and the Marvel Universe, apparently, into What If, was John Favreau. You might remember him from his roles as an actor in Batman Forever, the same Friends TV show that Paul Rudd was in, 
Deep Impact, The Replacements, Elf, The Breakup, G-Force, a little Disney mistake called John Carter, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, The Jungle Book, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and The Mandalorian TV series. He does have some voice acting credit because of some of those works that I just said. Mm-hmm. I don't know, guys. I, I don't know. Maybe he has a future in the MCU. I mean, yeah, maybe. Kid's got talent. He might be able to pull some strings, keep himself going, maybe land himself a big role in the next few years. I have to hand it to uh, he play he reprised his role as Happy Hogan. By the way, he directed the first Iron Man movie, so he's been in the MCU from the beginning. As we consider the MCU, I gotta say the animation of Happy Hogan was very generous. I applaud the animators for giving him the physique that he did, kind of saying, "Yeah, he's not the fittest guy around, but we're not gonna make him show up as a big chunky fat guy." So my hats are off to the animators for pulling that one off but john favreau was really good and i'll just say this ba-bam ba-bam bam 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 (laughs) yeah that was another character model where like half the time it was like who is this and the other half it's like oh i can see john favreau now right so it was actually his voice doing that and lauren we have another special wakandian with us we do we have denai gria reprising her role as Okoye, who, again, people may know as Michonne from Walking Dead, among many, many other things, but those are like her big things. She pulls it off so well, the general, and I'm glad she was in this. And she hasn't had that much of an interaction with the entirety of the Avengers either, and you could just see the ease of her working with everybody in here. And and I get it, a little bit of his writing, but some of it is just pulling off her lines that are so great. Matter of fact, one of the lines that she had with Scott Lang was pretty cool. Like, uh, don't fog up your jar. <laughs> All right, I got to take this next one. Uh, Emily Van Camp. I know her from her roles in Brothers and Sisters, Revenge, The Resident, and my Marvel on-screen crush. Yes, she is Sharon Carter. She has been Sharon Carter for quite some time, and I am glad to see her in this. Uh, of course, after the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a little dubious on her future in the MCU, but Agent 13, Agent Carter, Agent Sharon Carter, I was glad to see here. And honestly, I didn't expect her to make it to the end. And she didn't. But I think she did okay up to that point. You guys have any thoughts on my on screen crush? Definitely less morally questionable than the last time we saw her. And hey, if she had to go out, at least she had a memorable ending. Your opinion might be a little bit biased, but in this case, it's pretty solid. There we go. All right, Lauren, I'm going to let you take this next actor. We have David Dastmalkian returning as Kurt. Who is Kurt, you may ask? He's one of Scott Lang's co-workers, the one who's not Luis. He's also seen in things like 12 Monkeys, the TV series, not the movie, Gotham, TV series, Twin Peaks, the more recent one, not the one from the early 90s, Blade Runner 2049, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, MacGyver, TV series, upcoming in Dune, and can currently be seen in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Notice the the, very important. He was fantastic in that. The Suicide Squad is very good. I do agree with you there. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet. And a little bit of that 
I'll admit is recoil from the original Suicide Squad and the jokes about the award winning and stuff like that. But I have wanted to since it's got such rave reviews from everybody that I know, and I just haven't had time. I do have HBO Max, so I am going to see it at some point. Yep. Just perfect for, you know, make some popcorn, sit down in front of it. Yeah. Fantastic movie and has pretty much nothing to do with the first one, which is a good thing. If you watch it and don't like it, I will end my podcast. (laughs) Okay, them strong words. Maybe I should never watch it and just leave everybody in suspense so that (gasps) your podcast can keep going. Bum bum. Okay. (laughs) Let's move on. We have Tom Holland has Peter (laughs) Parker. No, we don't. No, we don't. We have Hudson Thames as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. You might know him from such works as Mad Men, the TV series. I think you should leave with Tom Robinson, TV series, Malibu Country TV series, and The Secret Life of the American Teenager TV series. Hudson is a voiceover talent mostly, but does have some screen talent. I think Hudson did an amazing job of approximating Tom Holland's voice in this whole thing. I In watching first, before I took a look at the MDB credits, I was like, that might be Tom Holland. I wonder if it is. And it turned out it wasn't. So, Lauren, what do you think of the approximation there? Very, very good. Very good voice match. And, of course, being a veteran voice actor, his performance was great. And, again, the character model I had some problems with didn't have enough holding a frog in my mouth to be Tom Holland. But, you know, solid. I'm honestly questioning why you thought they would trust Tom Holland to be in this, because I don't (laughs) think he could have kept his mouth shut. Okay, y'all, I saw this list of, like, Marvel actors who've spoiled Marvel movies, and who is the top. Tom Holland is number one with seven, followed by Mark Ruffalo with four. And Mark is no longer allowed to do panels with his phone. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what that has to do with him spoiling anything, but he's no longer able. The Marvel snipers have, they take his phone away before he, and, and like I said, I don't know, maybe that's just a reminder. Hey, Mark, we got your phone. You know, don't, don't spoil this. We got your phone. So maybe that's his penance. Dear Mark Ruffalo, we aren't letting you do Instagram lives anymore. That's right. And then uh, apparently they tried to team up Tom Holland with, Mr. Doctor Strange, and uh, that didn't go too well either, because I don't think that Doctor Strange knew to keep Spider-Man quiet. Yeah, there's some really fun. You can go on YouTube and find compilations of Tom Holland accidentally spoiling the MCU, and you can see Benedict Cumberbatch kind of try to dive in, but it's too late by that point. It's pretty good. uh, But you bring up a great point, Chris. If this goes into some sort of team up at the end or, you know, wrap up episode in in episode nine or something like that, having Tom Holland in, he's going to spoil that surprise by the end. So I could see that. And we'll talk more about that possibility later. Moving on two more actors here. We have Tom Von Lawler, who reprised his role as Ebony Mon. Ebony Maw, not Ebony Mon. He was in Becoming Jane and The Infiltrator and some other credits that uh, aren't really familiar to me, but he reprised his role just for like one sentence, basically. Yeah, it was like two and a half lines. Yeah. But, you know, good job. They actually got him back. And then Josh Keaton reprised his role in What If as Steve Rogers, Captain America. He played skinny Steve Rogers in the Captain Carter episode. 
He is a big voiceover talent, but he was also in such works as Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Boy Meets World, and enough video game and animation voiceover titles to cover the state of Texas. What amuses me is that he has been Peter Parker in a bunch of animated stuff and video games. And of course, he is not playing Peter Parker in this one. So let's move on into dissecting the episode. This was obviously the zombie episode, which, Chris, you have a little bit of beef over. I really do. I went and looked at IMDb, and, you know, as early as I could, and it's like, okay, this episode is going to be about Thor. And I forget exactly what it said, but it was pretty much, what if Thor was like he was in the comics instead of like he is in the MCU? So I'm sitting here, like, kind of preparing, looking at some Thor stuff, and then we go to watch the episode. And it's Marvel Zombies. Yep, Marvel Zombies, which I'm not a huge zombie guy. I was kind of getting into it the last couple of years. There's been some good zombie movies. World War Z, 28 Days Later. I did watch The Walking Dead for, I don't know, four or five seasons before I said, this isn't for me anymore. And maybe, maybe I'm recoiling from that. But I was not enthralled with a zombie-based episode, but I know some others are. So, Lauren, what are some references that was made with this? Okay, well, other than the Marvel Zombies comics references, which I'll get to in a bit, we have the very obvious Zombieland references with Peter Parker's rules to surviving the zombie apocalypse. There's also a nice little mutant enemy, little Gur-Arg reference there. I saw that. Yeah. So the Gur-Arg is the production sign for... For Joss Whedon's Mutant Enemy Productions. Right. There you go. So if you watch a TV show or a movie and at the end it goes, Gur-Arg, that's the production banner from that, the coda from that. I will say, at least in this, we got a scientific cause of the zombies unlike most of the other zombification stuff out there so even though it was jan van dyne in the quantum realm with some rare disease that we haven't heard of yet in the mcu i at least like that versus we don't know what's causing this so i haven't read marvel zombies since they finished doing arc three but i was looking up like hey did they ever figure out why this happened in the comics and i'm not seeing a cause so yeah at least we got a cause here there's some parallels to the comic including characters who find themselves in certain situations like uh head in a jar can we talk about the head in a jar i think we need to but before we get there chris do you have something to say about comic connections here yeah i was looking at the first run of it and you know kind of looking at some background online it's looking like they kind of pulled it from a fantastic four story but then wrote Marvel Zombies in a way that you could read Marvel Zombies without knowing that Reed Richards was the one who pulled the zombie source into the main Marvel universe. Well, that figures. So you made a reference there a second ago, Lauren. I want to say that I watched this little show. It was one of the first shows that I've been watched called Futurama. And Futurama was famous for having heads in a jar. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where the what if reference comes from here, but it sure looked like Futurama to me. That was the first thing I thought of. And in fact, I completely forgot that in the comics, it's Janet Van Dyne's head in a jar. Oh, But uh, yeah, she takes on the snarky 
you know, sidekick role there. But she's still a zombie there. She's not fixed up like Scott Lang is. And it couldn't be Jan because she was patient zero. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, what'd you think? Head in the jar? Would you like Scott there? I love the head in the jar. I love that they kept Scott around for more. I mean, my wife doesn't even watch Futurama. She saw that and went, oh, look, it's that cartoon you like that's not The Simpsons. <laughs> There's a lot of heart with Futurama. I really did enjoy it. And when it went, finally went off the air, I was like, aw. But it was a great series when it was I, well worth the rewatch. If you've never seen it, go back and watch it. Yeah, that show made me cry more than it has any right to. Jurassic Bark. Yeah. So many. <sighs> There's a lot of them. Now, Scott Lang slash Paul Rudd, he had a lot of great one-liners in this whole thing. <laughs> and that was the comeback, right? So he had one line at the beginning and he was turned into a zombie. Vision came in and was able to save his head somehow. I don't know how that happened. We never really f- find out because he's the only one that has been quote unquote cured, but he makes references like, yeah, I was an Avenger kind of, sort of, not maybe one <laughs> of the main ones, but I still was an Avenger. So I can I'd still be around here. So I'm glad that it was Paul Rudd slash Scott Lang in Heads in the Jar, because if you think of a jokester in the MCU, you might go Star-Lord, but definitely (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah, I love the whole, when I get stressed, I make dad jokes, and then him basically being adopted by Doctor Strange's cape. (laughs) The cape was awesome. The cape was there every time. I don't think the cape could be turned. Now, the cape can be destroyed, but the cape doesn't have to worry about becoming a zombie. The cape reminds me a lot, I mean, already before, but especially here, of the magic carpet in Disney's Aladdin. Definitely caught that one over here, too. So, Chris, I got to ask you, between the cape fight in the Doctor Strange time loop episode and this episode, which is the better cape performance? I like the one here more. In the Doctor Strange episode, you had your, it was like one-on-one fighting. But here, the cape had to watch over so many more people doing so many more things, and it was still able to come in and save the day, despite having its attention thrown in 20 different directions at once. Yeah. And I did have two questions coming out of this episode. First of all, Bucky was thrown quite a far way by (laughs) Wanda, but he survived falling from an aircraft, you know? So it's possible he could have survived this throw. So we don't know if he's gone yet. Also, Wanda versus the Hulk. They were fighting at the end. We didn't see the outcome of that. So I can only assume that it was a stalemate or the Hulk is still alive or whatever. So there's a possibility of two Avengers that were not in the plane at the end that might still be alive if they continue this thread. I'm kind of sad we didn't get the Team Rocket little, you know, glimmer in the sky after Bucky flew away. I didn't even think about that. It's the first thing I thought of. I can't look. I am. I okay. I didn't watch Pokemon, you know, when it was first starting out in like the mid late 90s. But I am very familiar with Pokemon memes and the Team Rocket thing. Also, Team Rocket are just the best characters on Pokemon. I'm just going to say it. That's pretty much true. They got a talking cat. So Spider-Man continued his MCU shtick of being the only one to have seen movies (laughs) and internalize the movies. I think this turned out great in this particular case. 
Okay, so first of all, the thing of, uh, do you not have horror movies in Wakanda? No, we have American reality television. And as somebody who's going to go watch 90 Day Fiance after we're done recording, that hit, that hurt. But uh, she's not wrong. But again, I loved Peter being very genre savvy. And it's like, it's, again, if you know the rules of zombie movies, you have a reasonable chance of making it out. But he doesn't want to get rid of the people who are offering to stay behind who, let's face it, have a really good chance of having been infected. You Mm -hmm. know, you've got somebody there that you could sacrifice that it's going to be a smart move to sacrifice who can hold off a giant zombie horde for you. But no, let them come with us and you're the reason why everybody dies. Spidey. Hope's last words smile for me. That was, I was like, aww. That was good. Yeah, it didn't make me tear up or anything, but it was like, oh, and I will say it didn't make me tear up mostly because I know this is a what if episode. You know, this is not my MCU. I'm not really emotionally attached to these characters like I would if they were, you know, in an MCU movie or something like that. But it was very heartful and I enjoyed that. Also, uh, sticking on the Spider Man theme, we actually get our very first MCU Uncle Ben mention. This is the first time Uncle Ben has actually been mentioned in the MCU. We've had allusions to family members for Spider-Man before, but never a specific Uncle Ben mention. So knowing that Marissa Tomei is this universe's Aunt May, who would you want to see as Ben Parker? Ooh. Ooh. Well, I, <laughs> I know Ed Asner had the history of playing Ben Parker. That would have been cool, but he's no longer with us. And I would never pair those two up anyway. <laughs> Marissa, who would be a good Marissa Torme pairing? I don't know. Uh, Lauren, what do you, you obviously have some thoughts here. I was just curious. So I'm looking up like actors the same age as uh, Marissa Torme, which, by the way, is 56 years old. I don't believe you. Yeah, I hope I look that good when, oh my God, apparently The Undertaker, the wrestler, is the same age as Marissa Tomei. So I'm going to demand The Undertaker okay. as Ben Parker. Who was the guy in Silver Spoons? The kid? Ricky Schroeder? Oh, yeah. You should be about the same age. Huh, what does he look like these days? Uh, well, it probably looks a lot younger than Uncle Ben would just because of his acting career. Oh, dang, he still has a baby face. Yeah, because, well, first of all, he's a baby face. But second of all, he's been doing all that acting. He's been one of those cop shows or mystery shows or whatever. I I don't follow him all that well. But anyway, yeah, there's Uncle Ben. And then the last thing that I want to say is the ending was confusing as crap because they show Thanos with the <laughs> gauntlet with four of the stones in there, minus the mind stone. And the watcher says something about saving the planet will end the universe, but he doesn't have all five stones. So I'm just very confused at the ending there. Oh, yeah. He's just going to have to come after them. And I don't know. I wanted to say also with regards to heading towards the end. We had Chadwick Boseman back as T'Challa. And first of all, I 
was not expecting to tear up in this episode, but I did. The whole, in my culture, we believe death isn't the end. And it was just like, oh, God. And also, he's playing the same role he did in the original Marvel Zombies comics. Except in those, it was Hank Pym luring people in instead of Vision. Because Hank was trying to cure Janet. Now, just to be clear, is this show family-friendly enough to where we should not mention why T'Challa was in that position in the comics? <laughs> Same position he was in here. He was, um, he was a snack. He was a zombie snack. And here he's already had his leg missing. And um, good times. Just good times. I'm happy we didn't see it. Yeah, it's... Ugh, could you imagine if this had gone just way more the road and you have just, like, the room of all the various eaten former Avengers? Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been bad. That would have been real bad. Yeah, I'm glad we just saw the clothes on the floor, which are agnostic. They could have been anybody. Another thing I wanted to point out, I was trying to find cameos in the, the zombie horde, and I'm pretty sure there was a Stan Lee zombie when they're right outside of Camp Lehigh. That would be the place, because it was a static enough shot. Yeah, I know, I know for sure one that got some major focus right when they were leaving is the Robert Kirkman zombie. Robert Kirkman being the guy who wrote the original Marvel zombies and created The Walking Dead, which has Deny Gria. So it's all six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, only way less and with zombies. Hey, Chris, do you have anything else before we start closing it up? I'm still a little bit confused about what makes them get infected anyway, because they said it was from the saliva, but then Hope flies into Sharon's mouth and doesn't instantly think that she's going to turn into a zombie just from that. But then when she comes out, they say, oh, look, you have a cut. You might be infected now. So she was basically in a space suit while she was inside. That didn't bother me. But yeah, realizing that you have a cut on your arm that you didn't notice. So now, by virtue of being inside a zombie's mouth, you have infected yourself. I got that. That made sense to me. She was covered in Sharon. Covered in Sharon. <laughs> I was like, ooh, not in a good way either. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, again, when we were talking about very, very dramatic final scenes. I mean, honestly, if I was going to be in a zombie movie, that's how I'd want to go. Exploding messily right and she did take out happy too and she said sorry before she took him out so but more importantly she also said blam mm -hmm. i don't think hawkeye was taken out was he he's still roaming out there mm, yeah he's still roaming okay well i know iron man isn't because he got taken out by ants <laughs> that was <laughs> hardcore i loved it i loved the whole oh i'm gonna throw up i'm gonna throw up <laughs> that was just bad I mean, if I, if I was Banner and I had just come back to Earth and I was seeing this and be like, what the heck is going on? And as a man of science, he'd be like, whoa, mind blown. Anyway, not my favorite episode. This is the halfway point and we might be seeing some of these characters again, as I was alluded to before, if they decide to go the route of having some sort of a team up at the end of the eight episodes. So the ninth, ninth episode be some sort of team up. Well, we have a monster that we've seen several times. I've been speculating it was Hive. I've done a little bit of research, and this explanation makes a little bit more sense to me. 
for the monster to be Shuma Gorath. And Chris, you seem to know a little bit more about Shuma than I do. I mean, to be fair, my knowledge of Shuma Gorath mostly comes from Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> but interdimensional octopus type being who will destroy you. Pretty much. From what I've seen, he's wanting to destroy universes all over the place and is uh, a possible multi-dimensional being. Lauren, do you have anything to say on that possibility? Um, not off the top of my head. Okay, so we'll do some thinking about that and get back to it next time. Since we've seen the tentacles multiple times, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them again. So that's it for this episode breakdown. Next time we'll go over What If Episode 6. There are four more episodes left, one month left, and then we'll hopefully be able to circle back and talk a little bit about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. In the meantime, we do have some news to get to. You guys ready to talk some news? Very. Let's do it. I'm feeling newsy. Right. We're going to kick off our new segment with the box office for Shang-Chi. And this is spoiler free. We're not talking anything but the box office here. And it was a post-COVID stunner, basically. It came in with a $71.4 million domestic opening weekend, which is the second most to Black Widow since COVID started. And I will say this, that if you take into account the Disney Plus premiere $30 package for Black Widow, I think Shang-Chi outperformed Black Widow in the box office, just in the actual theaters. So that is not differentiating here because Disney's sticking firm on combining those things for the first weekend. So there you go. Uh, you have $80.4 million basically for Black Widow. You have Shang-Chi at $71.4 million, and then it goes down into Fast 8 at $70 million, A Quiet Place Part 2 at $47 million, takes a big dive here, $35 million for Jungle Cruise. Godzilla vs. Kong, this was early on when the theaters were just opening up. It was at $31 million, and then you also had Space Jam at $31 million. Free Guy at $28 million, The Suicide Squad at $26 million, and then a few others from there. So all in all, this did pretty well when it comes to the box office in the COVID era. Still don't know if Disney's going to be hard over on just doing the box office release and then like 45 days later or whatever, also doing it for those people that don't want to go into the theaters, at least for now. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this a good opening, Lauren? Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, Shang-Chi was originally projected to only get between like 35 and 55 million before closing out its theatrical run. And it's done a lot more than that. In fact, it's even outdone the premiere weekends for Captain America, the first Avenger, which got 65 million and Ant-Man, which got 57 million. And Simu Liu the guy who plays Shang-Chi in the movie, who you might not know used to be a stock photos model, posted a thing on his Twitter yesterday of my reaction to people who thought we were going to do poorly. 
And it's one of his stock photo images of him looking very impressed at a computer. And uh, yes, please follow him on Twitter. The man is a godsend. My problem here is not only are we comparing apples and oranges with the day and date release of Black Widow versus straight only theaters in Shang-Chi. I know for a fact Mortal Kombat, and I'm pretty sure Kong versus Godzilla, those were just, hey, you have HBO Max, just watch it. So I don't know how they're getting numbers there, and they're not adding like people like me who watched it right when it came out, but I didn't have to pay any extra money. Now remember, Black Widow was the first one to combine any sort of streaming revenue into the opening weekend, the premiere weekend. So you're absolutely right. There's just, and even if you did that, there's no way to do an apples to apples comparison, or as I said, kumquats to kiwis or something like that at the time, because the HBO Max Warner Brothers model is give it to you for free. And then next year, they're going to continue that at least once a month. I don't know which films they're going to do it once a month or at least once a month. But yeah, there's no way to do it because it's combined into the subscription. And I don't even know how Spider-Man would do it. Like, we were postulating about this before. What streaming service does Sony have that they could do this with? I don't know. I, maybe it's simple and I'm just not thinking of it. But I don't think Sony has a place that they can put it on. Now, if they wanted to put it on Disney Plus and share the revenue, which they're doing already, they could do that. But we'll see what the pandemic is like in December. And it's way too early for that decision right now, in my opinion. So that's the box office numbers. Then also, uh, looking forward to a little bit of Thor, Natalie Portman gave an interview over to Vanity Fair, and she had a statement on there about getting buff for Thor. This is her quote. I worked with a trainer, Naomi Pendergast, for I think it was four months before shooting, and then obviously all the way through filming. We did a lot of weight training and a lot of protein shakes. Heavy weight training that I haven't ever done before. Of course, I've never really aimed to get bulky. It was very physical, so it was a lot of both agility work and also strength work. So yeah, she put a lot of time in. She's saying, I'm interested to see what it looks like on the screen. And then I have no idea if they're going to put special effects on top of it or not. But apparently she was buff going into this. I am here for buff Natalie Portman. I just hope we get buff Natalie Portman rapping. Just wait until she hosts SNL after Thor 4 comes out. Yes. I'll stay awake for that. So moving on into the Scarlett Johansson versus Disney lawsuit, we're actually not going to talk about the lawsuit itself. But what we are going to talk about is the fact that a Wall Street Journal article came out this past week that associated the lawsuit with the fact that the Russo brothers have not completed a deal with Disney slash Marvel in order to do another MCU film. Now, they're not really for or against either side from what I've seen in this article, but this is an example of somebody not having a definitive contract way forward to depend on what if this release is going to go streaming versus in the box office? What if it's combined? What if it's box office only? So the contracts are all of a sudden more complex and the Russo brothers are caught up in that. They haven't made a deal yet. We'll see if that deal is made sometime in the future. I've mentioned before that Hollywood is taking a lot of time to kind of adjust to new media. You saw this back with the 2008 writer's strike. You see it again here. 
it pops up again every now and then in terms of like streaming residuals. And this is yet another example of, hey, this seems like it's going to be possibly a turning point in how contracts are negotiated. So, yeah, it's very smart for them to wait. And yeah, personally, I'm on Scarlett Johansson's side on this one. You know, the big studios need to do some serious reorganizing, first of all, because we were getting streaming stuff already. And especially now post-COVID, when I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of the especially mid-range movies coming straight to streaming. I mean, completely ignoring whether you think Scarlett Johansson is right or wrong in this. I mean, even just from a contractual standpoint, you don't see athletes signing super long-term contracts when they know there's pretty likely to be a player strike or they're going to have renegotiations there for revenue sharing or anything. And just the fact that they don't know what the contract situation is going to be looking like going forward. I mean, they don't want to be the people who sign this contract for only theatrical release and then everybody else gets the streaming money poured into it too because they waited an extra couple months versus Russo Brothers who could potentially sign it right now. Yeah, so we'll see where this ends up. I think that Disney slash Marvel is a lot more apt to negotiate with the Russo Brothers than Scarlett Johansson right now because first of all, I think Scarlett Johansson's character is done in the MCU, but you know, we'll see. Could be reprised. And second of all, Russo Brothers have brought in a lot of money Everything from the 2014 Captain America, the Winter Soldier to Captain America, Civil War in 2016, the Avengers, Infinity War in 2018 and Endgame in 2019. Those are four huge movies. So you bring them on, do another huge movie. That'd be great. I don't know what the time frame was on them producing a new movie. Are we talking three years, two years, four years, something like that? So there might be some time. So it was just important to note that they're saying, hey, look, we're going to wait until this all levels out so chris something that's not waiting right now is blade yeah one thing i'm really excited to see everybody look at this blade thing and i'm glad that they're excited too because they're saying you know what they're exciting about the film is that they're making something that hasn't really there hasn't really been canon for blade and so you know they're reading through the comics and the only thing that's really been consistent is the fact that he's a daywalker so you know, you have everything that Wesley Snipes put into the character in the older Blade trilogy of movies. It's really hard to say that without saying Blade trilogy, which I was trying not to because that's literally the name of one of the movies. No, Blade Trinity is the third one, not trilogy. I've been awake for way too long. <laughs> I feel you. You've seen the Matrix trailer today, so, you know. You- I did, and now I need to go back and watch all the other ones again at least five times. Yeah, you're you're thinking of Trinity over there, and and that got you to think, well, it can't be Trinity because she's a character in Matrix. It was confusing enough. Hey, why is the lawyer from Iron Fist being here in the Matrix? (laughs) I got to say, I was so pleased to see Carrie Ann Moss in this because I think that her character was totally screwed up in the Netflix Defenders universe. And so to see her go back to something that she could end her career. If, if that was the last thing that she did and she ended her career there, you'd be like, yes, that is the Carrie Ann Moss that I want to see on the screen. So I'm glad that they're doing this blade that uh, is not MCU canon, but I'm also glad that 
they referenced Wesley Snipes. So I don't know if they're going to do any homages to Wesley Snipes in the new movie or not. Wesley Snipes obviously is not going to be the main character in the new Blade. Mahershala Ali is just going to have scenes where he's refusing to open his eyes and they have to digitally add in the eyes like in uh, Blade Trinity. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to see it. We'll see. Moving on into Disney Plus, we have the director for the Moon Knight series that is really excited to work on it. Now, he's not normally a Marvel type director, so he's not the fun, campy action sort of guy. And uh, Mohammed Diab is his name. And he basically said, yeah, I, I'm going to look at this and it's going to be cool. His quote is, definitely when you see this, you will not recognize that it's me directing it, but I'm so proud of it. I always love to have a new challenge. My movies are hard, serious, and about big topics. And I feel strongly that Moon Knight is going to be like that. It's going to be an entertainment, but also heavy. At the same time, we're being so creative with the jokes and with the action, as I keep saying to my wife. I can't believe I'm funny in another language. That's adorable. Definitely. So I can't wait for this to come out because it's been hyped up so much at this point. It'll be fun there. Chris, you have anything to say about the Moon Knight? I mean, the only thing I know about Moon Knight is that half the people say he is Marvel Batman and the other half people say, why are you saying that it's not true? <laughs> no, no, no. He's the Marvel Nightwing. I really hope they have, there's, I still don't know if this is an edit or if it's from like the Max series back in the early 2000s, but there's this page of Moon Knight trying to get Dracula to pay him money that he owes him. It's, uh, just look up Moon Knight Dracula. I've seen Power Man with that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Moon Knight calling Dracula a nerd. So the final news story that we're going to cover this time is the fact that a alum of well, somebody that we've covered on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is moving on to a new project. Annie Worsling, who we saw in The Runaways, but also has credits including The Rookie, The Vampire Diaries, Castle, Dallas 24. The last thing that I've seen her in was Timeless when I finally saw the third and final season of that, or maybe it was the second and final season. I think it was the third and final season of that. Anyway, we saw her in Runaways. She has been cast as the Borg Queen in season two of Picard, Star Trek Picard over there on CBS Studios would be on Paramount Plus, unless they changed their name to something else. So it <laughs> used to be CBS All Access, now it's Paramount Plus. Anyway, I will enjoy seeing her there. She is a really fun person to watch on screen because she can be a goody two-shoes and she could be deliciously evil. It is so fun watching her. I, I can't wait to see her as the Borg Queen. I know she's going to bring out some really cool stuff as the Borg Queen. Yep. You might remember her as Leslie Dean in Runaways. She also, okay, so if anybody else played Anthem, it was like the most recent Bioware game. Had some missteps. I still had fun with it, though. And it has a fantastic voice cast. Annie Worshing shows up as one of the characters you can talk to back at the base the borg weren't in the star trek original series and that's all i've consistently watched <laughs> it's okay and i can't get into first person shooters so anthem is not my thing another comic book tv show regular was Susanna thompson 
She played Oliver Queen's mother over on Arrow, and she was also a Borg Queen in Star Trek Voyager. So I think not a Borg Queen, but the Borg Queen. I think they just have different actors playing the same character. So it's kind of within the realm of the comic book characters to be crossing the streams and going over being a Borg Queen. So I'm looking forward to seeing season two of Picard. The trailer just dropped recent. The most recent trailer just dropped uh, a couple days ago. I watched it. Not my favorite storyline, but it's always great to see Patrick Stewart on the screen, even in his Dune days. It was great. Oh yeah. So back to the Moon Knight thing. That sadly is not from the real comics. It's from a uh, meme group on Facebook, like years and years ago. But still look it up. It's pretty fun. Moon Knight, I'm looking forward to learning more about him since I've never actually really read much of his comics. Comics, meme group on the internet. Either way, it's canon for you. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Uh, Yeah, he is totally a vampire loan shark or loan shark to vampires. He's not himself a vampire anyway. That's the news for this week. And Lauren, do you have an idea what we should do right now? Um, I think we should hop a quad jet to Wakanda on our way out. As has been a staple for the last month and a half, I want to thank Chris very much for joining us. Now, Chris, where can people find you? The best place to find me is over at playcomics.com, where you can have links to all the social media things the discord channel which is also on the gonna geek discord server because play comics is a part of the gonna geek network and you know come by check out episodes where i grab a guest and we talked a video game based on comics or check out a bonus episode where i talk to cool creators about their cool things spoiler alert you're gonna love some of the cool creators i have booked to talk about their cool things coming up I was pleased after we got off the air last week, you mentioned something and then we were talking about it afterwards. I'm like, how do you get these people? This is awesome. I ask nicely and they say yes. That's the secret. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you're just a nice guy. So it works great. So yes, thank you very much, Chris, for joining us at least for the end of What If? And maybe we'll get you on for the 10 rings as well. Well, I would definitely be up for that. Thank you to everyone who listens to us. Whether you're a new listener, an old listener, whoever you are, we're very, very glad to have you. And we hope we're making your day a little brighter because you make our day a whole lot brighter. And with that, until next time, I'm director of the show, SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm consultant Chris. See everybody next week. Bye. 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 What's the first rule of zombie apocalypse? Oh, yeah. Cover everything. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
Can you talk, please? Uh, yes. Um, it's going to be my birthday on the 18th, okay. and Kaylee is going to make me a pie because we don't want to have anybody here at the house. So I, that means I don't have to share my pie. What kind of pie? Key lime pie, because that is the best. Okay. She's made a key lime cake before, and which is also pretty good, but it's not as good as her key lime pie. What did you have for breakfast this morning? This morning was oatmeal, if I remember right. It was the strawberries and cream packet. I just kind of grab a pack out of the box and roll with it. Is that really oatmeal, or is it like cereal? It's labeled as oatmeal, so I, I go with it. Is it served warm? Yes. All right. Well, your levels are looking good. We'll see how Lauren sounds when she shows up. So I was doing some research into the whole What If series, and a lot of people are speculating that there's going to be a Heroes of the Multiverse, for the lack of a better term, Avengers of the Multiverse, or something like that, that have to come together at the end of this whole thing, which is not what they build it as. I don't remember that ever being a news point out of the whole thing, but I think a lot of people are speculating from leaks and stuff like that. So if that is true, then somebody from this universe would end up in that team up. And we don't have that many somebodies left. Mm-hmm. And then there was speculation on the squid was not hive. It was like Suma. Forget what it was. Oh, Shuma Garoth. Yeah. That makes sense. Being a very powerful multidimensional being. Everything I know about Shuma Garoth, I learned from Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> and I have not played that. So it's fun. You should try it. Yeah. A lot of things are fun. A lot of things I should try. And I would agree with you. I just don't know if I'm ever going to have the time. I need to retire. Yeah. I think we're both working on that one. I'm obviously not in my home studio. So what letter studio is that? Oh, this is the latest. This would be like Studio L. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.